Welcome to Massive Late Fee. And now your hosts, Mark and Carol. Well, hello, everyone. Welcome back to Massive Late Fee. My name is Mark. With me, as always, is my girlfriend, Carol. How are you doing, Carol? Hey, what's up? It is July 8th? 9th? I don't remember. Um... Hmm. I think Good it's the question. 9th. July 9th. No, I think it's the 7th. No, I believe it's July 8th or 9th. 9th. You're right. 9th. Yeah, 7th was yesterday. 1994. Anyway, so... <laughs> it's well, July 1994. How about that? So we are here talking to you again about uh, movies and TV and all the stuff we do. How's your week been, Carol? Great. We we had fun doing the fireworks this year. Oh yeah, nice 4th of July. Some barbecue. Real real good turnout. Uh I like the fireworks. 4th <laughs> of July is one of my favorite holidays. Yeah, it's fun. So, in the news uh to this week, OJ Simpson back again. They just can't and this is only the preliminary trial. You realize that, right? Uh-huh. If this guy actually goes to trial, it's going to be, it is going to be a shitstorm if he actually goes on trial for two counts of first degree premeditated murder. What do you think? Do you think he should? Yeah, for sure. I think there's definitely enough evidence to, I'm still undecided, I guess, as to whether or not he did it. The, uh, the, well, we'll get into it later, but, but there are, there are some things that seem to point to maybe people are trying to screw him over. Maybe. Okay. But there's certainly enough evidence, I think, for him to go to trial. Today, uh, the judge, uh, Kathleen Kennedy Powell, uh, basically, they wanted to throw out some of the prosecution, wanted, or the, sorry, the defense, wanted to throw out some evidence that was collected during a warrantless search of okay. OJ's hot house there in Brentwood. And the judge ruled to allow it. So, basically, they went through the scenario of what happened, kind of. But they said the killer of uh, Nicole Brown Simpson and Ron Goldman uh, lost a leather glove in a struggle with Goldman at the, cl- at the crime scene. Then, apparently, went to O.J. Simpson's estate, jumped over a wall, losing the second glove... Uh, in the process, and making some thumping noises that alarmed a house guest. Apparently there was someone there uh, on OJ's estate besides OJ. And uh, that's what happened. So those gloves match. One found at OJ's house, one found at the crime scene. The blood expert for the, the prosecution, the police officer, he was about to... They asked him a question of whether or not the five drops of blood found at the crime scene matched O.J. Simpson's blood type. Uh-huh. But there was a recess, and it, it's going to go tomorrow. Oh, okay. So we're going to start with tomorrow as to whether or not... It was like, it was like a cliffhanger. Right? <laughs> it was really weird the way the way it was done. But yeah, it was, it was filmed like a cliffhanger. A lot of this... You know, it reminds me of a few different things. First of all, I think it's funny that that chase with the Bronco. We watched the movie The Chase earlier <laughs> yes, in the year. Yes, we did. And it was it was so much like that 
where the news is filming them the entire time, and it's basically a lone car being chased by a bunch of police. It was very eerily similar. Yeah. And then if you look at Serial Mom, which we also talked about, and people, the first of all, the, the courtroom being like a circus, and made almost like TV, like entertainment, right? The mm-hmm. way it was structured and everything. And then the movie deals and the book deals and stuff like that. This is all, it's like playing out in real life. Right? It is. It's it's creepy. Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, you had something that you were talking about, about Haitians. Yeah, so I, I know this doesn't really fit with our normal news coverage, but it, it's upsetting me, so I'm going to talk about it. Um, so Panama was supposed to take some Haitian refugees because apparently we are not taking them here and they backed out so now they have nowhere to go why we're not taking them here i i just don't understand i, I mean this is america the land of the free the, you know right. i mean my my family came here hundreds of years ago but came here from scotland right you know um and if they were just turning people away who knows where i'd be now yeah, exactly. You'd be back in, in Scotland. Right? Uh, but no, I, I agree. I, I understand what you're saying, that uh, you know the Haitians are having a bad time of it right now. They're fleeing Haiti uh, on boats. They're calling them boat people. But they're, uh, they're, fleeing, they're fleeing in mass on boats, like hundreds of people just, just jammed into these boats and everything from a real terrible situation in Haiti. And they're trying to come to the United States because most people think of the United States as the land of opportunity, land of freedom. You know, we don't have murderous dictators here, so they want to come and, and, you know, avail themselves of that and that that opportunity, and, and they're getting turned away. See, everyone should have the right to be free. Everyone should have the right to raise their families in a place where they feel safe. And that's the thing, too. That's what it says in the Declaration of Independence right. <laughs> is that, you know, we take these truths to be self-evident that, you know, everyone has inalienable rights, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, that that those those rights are granted by God, not, not bestowed upon by the gentle will of a good monarch or even our government, you know, itself. Mm-hmm. That they're not man-made things. That God imbues us all with those basic rights. Yes. That every human being uh, should be allowed to to be free. Yeah, and I mean it's it's hard this week, you know, celebrating our independence and then seeing you know so many people suffering and wanting that and not able to have it. Yeah, you know it's funny too because uh, President Clinton is you know like they don't they don't want to take in more refugees. We've taken in some. They don't want to take in more. I wonder, you know, I like there's there's an election coming up, uh, you know, midterm election for the Senate and Congress and everything. I wonder how what he's doing will affect that and the the vote there. Not a lot of people really talk about politics much, which is probably a good thing. <laughs> but that's you know, it's these are you know interesting issues. And important issues because, you know, these are people's lives. Yeah. For sure. So I guess we should move on to happier things, huh? Sure. AIDS. 
Um, <laughs> speaking of people's lives, uh, there's a review of the two the two AIDS specials that were produced uh, recently, one by PBS and one by ABC. Uh, and basically, it's praising the ABC, the ABC one, and kind of saying the PBS one is pretty heavy-handed. Uh, but they, it starts out this article in the Detroit News by Susan Stewart, or I'm sorry, the Detroit Free Press by Susan Stewart uh, says, you know, it no longer takes courage to produce an AIDS special. Nowadays, it merely takes skill to keep the familiar images from becoming cliches, which I think is probably true. You know, during uh, the you know last ten years or so, this that's how long this you know this AIDS epidemic's been going on, and obviously in the there was a lot of confusion and misinformation in the early days of it. I think a lot of that's been cleared up now. There might still be some you know people that are, but you know like you can't get it from a toilet seat. You can't get it from. Uh, you know, kissing and, and stuff like yeah, that in they, general. They need to, you know, continue to work on education, though, because there are still a lot of people who are ignorant of, of the real facts. And they need money. I mean, that's the big thing, is they need money for research. Money for research into if we can find a cure, how, you know, developing new treatments for it. Uh, I don't know if, if any of you are familiar as uh, what AIDS does or HIV does on a molecular biological level uh, as a retrovirus, but it, it's, it is nasty what it does to cells because it basically invades uh, healthy cells and destroys them from the inside out. It's, uh, it, it, you know, from a biological standpoint, it's, it's a hell of a fight to undertake. And hopefully, you know, we get to a day when this can be cured and, and people can live, you know, without worry of this stuff you know they had a uh, a lock-in at my church where this lady came to talk to us about aids and okay. we're you know we're all sitting there and she's asking you know do we have questions and blah 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 and she's like you know well how would you feel if somebody in this room had aids and and you know everybody's like well i'd be uncomfortable i'd be scared you know worried and mm-hmm. and then she said she had it which oh, is wow. just so weird because she, you know, she seemed, you know, like the average <laughs> person, and um, it turns out she had gotten it from her adopted brother, who had gotten it from a blood transfusion. How did she get it from her adopted brother? By taking care of him. Oh, okay. Because he was ill and mm-hmm. and he required a lot of care, and I don't remember what was wrong with him, but you know, she got blood on her from him. Yeah. And um, she ended up becoming positive. And uh, she's married. And so everybody's like, do you have sex? Like, how do you handle that? And they do. They just, they use condoms and they've been married for years and he still doesn't have it. So that that's kind of good to know. Yeah, well, the protection is key. Especially uh, males, I know it's difficult to get if you use protection. Maybe not 100% impossible. Right. But much more difficult to get for males if you use protection. Females, you know, I think it's they get it a little more readily, uh, even with protection. Well, yeah, because it's it's literally going inside of their body. Right. Yeah. So you know, you just want to make sure that you take care of yourself. But yeah, I mean, hopefully for everyone involved, uh, like I said, they can find a cure. But that's that's the big thing is 
continued awareness uh, so that people will continue to donate and, you know, hopefully we can find a cure. Uh, real quick, uh, I don't know who this person is because I don't really watch CNN. Uh, again, they're a, um, you know, a news politics-y type, type thing, so I don't really watch them that much. But uh, Chris, Christiane Amanpour, uh, she's some ace foreign correspondent reporter from them. She's uh, rejected some offers from some of the, the major networks, uh, you know, NBC, CBS, ABC, to to do news there, and she's just sticking with CNN. So she's got loyalty. That's great. Never heard of her. Don't really watch it. <laughs> but anyway, um, Me either the uh, the on this page the. The, the story that really it kind of gets me is because I've seen this show once, and it is not good. Okay. Uh, a sitcom called Muddling Through. Uh, you know, I don't know if you've seen it, but judging by the ratings, you haven't. <laughs> um, CBS, it says, the headline says, CBS puts unfunny sitcom in troubled Saturday slot. So, yeah, they, they they've... Slotted it in uh, the Saturday slot, which is not not great. Right. Um, you know, no one watches TV on Saturdays. And there's certainly not. Yeah, it's like some people go to the movies on Saturdays. Right, or rent movies. Yeah, or rent movies, or they'll go out, you know, and have fun on Saturdays. But, but there's not a lot of not a lot of uh, television watching going on on Saturday. And yeah, it, it's terrible. It talks about how. Uh, a lot of the a lot of CBS has put a lot of a lot of shows in this exact time slot right before they get canceled. Right, like uh, Hearts of the West. Never heard of it. Right, and uh, so this show stars uh, Stephanie Hodge. I'm not really familiar with her, and uh, there's a few other people in here. Um, who's the guy? I can't, they don't have the guy's name, but I can't remember the guy's name. The other girl in it is somebody named uh, Jennifer Aniston. And uh, yeah, it's, I don't think it's going to last. You know, unfortunately, now hopefully, I did watch, like I said, one episode and it's terrible and, <laughs> and not funny. But I do think that this Stephanie Hodge and Jennifer Aniston are fairly funny people. They seem to be, and, and good actors, but they have terrible dialogue. The, okay. The scripts are awful. So it's the writer's fault. I think so, yeah. So hopefully maybe they work again. I don't know. Also, a couple of their co-stars are not very good either. Like, okay. Re- like bad casting decisions and, and just people that don't really, they can't really do comedy. Now, maybe they're better in more dramatic roles, but they're not very good in comedy. So, I don't know, hopefully they get some work again, but it looks like that show's probably going to get canceled in the next uh, couple weeks here. So, Well, I guess we'll see. Uh, now, moving on to, what do, they, what do we call this, Massive Love? <laughs> We're going to do just all alternatives. Okay. I mean, just, of course, know that Asalaamu Alaikum's here, <laughs> and, and some of your favorites are, are still... You know, he's still trying to build a nation and all that stuff. <laughs> but uh, 
I figured we would just go all alternative this this uh, this time. In you know, in deference to the alternative top songs right. that we cover on massive mixtape, and if you you pay the extra the extra money, I mean, we we give this away for free. These tapes just go out for free to whoever wants them. But if you pay the extra money for the extra tapes, then you know you can enjoy those. And uh, I think they're they're very good fun. Yeah, maybe we should do uh, just a straight alternative uh, mixtape sometime. Oh yeah, that's not a bad idea. We could do like a top top three or something like that. Yeah. Anyway, so a 19 year old single black bi female searching for female between five foot and five seven. What? Why? 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 I don't know. I mean, that's like almost every female. Yeah, exactly. No age restrictions. Just you have to be that. Maybe they're going on a roller coaster. Right. I am not tall enough to ride that ride. That's true. You are quite. You're, you're just under. Just under five feet tall. I'm very serious yet silly. Very fun to be around. Will answer all who call, but in quotes and with an exclamation point, which kind of cancel each other out. Must be discreet. Okay. I don't know why must be discreet is in quotes. Yeah. As in, like, it's not really be discreet. Like, usually people use that for, like, sarcasm or, you know, not serious. Right. So I don't I don't get that. But maybe she's just quoting everyone else's thing. Maybe. Uh, so if you're a 19, well, I guess if you're any age, but between 5'7 and 5 foot tall and you are... I don't know. You're you're bi curious or or just bi. I guess. Yeah, and you're a woman. Got to be a woman according to this. But willing to please. <laughs> Single white male, twenty nine, five. Knew ele- it was a male. Five eleven. Yeah, of course. A hundred and sixty. Educated, clean, safe, straight, discreet, excellent, masseur. An <laughs> excellent masseur. Okay. Uh oh, I may need to answer this ad. Uh, <laughs> what? Oh, you know I love massages. That's okay. one of that's one of your 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 best features. Yeah, so you want somebody else now? No, no. I'm just I'm just kidding. I'm just saying that would be something that would actually get me interested. Well, he's seeking ladies slash couples for adult fun. Well, so I guess you know I could, could use get a massage good massage by too. both of you. Yeah, I hmm. could. <laughs> yeah, that's what you're. That's what you want from both of us. <laughs> And you know I wouldn't really look for anybody else to give me massages but you. Yeah, I know. Single white male, mid-50s, would like to meet a mature, understanding white female who enjoys water sports. That's odd. Okay. Why is this in the alternative section? <laughs> alternative? Uh, are they saying that like people that are older are alter- you know need to go in the alternative section? That's sad. I don't know. Oh, let's see what else we got here. Very handsome GQ single black male. Is he gay? GQ gentleman's quarterly. Seeks attractive, employed single female with no dependents. Huh. 22 to 30. Petite only. I hate that. Eastern Indian or Asian, please inquire. What? (laughs) Maybe. He's going to ask for photos or something like that. Wow. (laughs) 
Oh, it's so funny what you can find out about people based on their, their, um, their, every time you look at me like that, like when I'm struggling to find a word, it flusters me. I'm sorry, I'm not trying to fluster you. Looking for, um. If I were trying to fluster you, I'd find funner ways to do it. That's true. (laughs) You were about to correct my grammar, weren't you? Nope. Uh, it crossed my mind. Adventure, <laughs> adventurous, good-looking Ann Arbor area. White male, 45. Ew. Desires uncomplicated, special friendship with a very open-minded, attractive, warm, feminine woman. 25 to 45. Who would like to be appreciated. I don't know why that's alternative either. Because yeah. it's, it's friendship? I, I don't know. He but- just looks for, he's just looking for a friend. Are you sure it's in the alternative section? Yeah, it's right here. Oh, Oh, by curious. Yeah, a lot of that. By curious married. White female, 30. Pretty. Hmm, she thinks a lot of herself. 5'4", 125 pounds. Seeks attractive white female, 25 to 35, for friendship, fun, and excitement. And antiquing. (laughs) Yeah, that's about it. Let's for this. mix sex and antiquing. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, it's all antiquing's always more fun with. I don't know. I don't know where I'm going with that one. So <laughs> that's uh, that's it for that. So this week we uh, we took my uh, niece and nephew to see The Lion King. Yeah, did we do anything before that? Did we? Did we watch an episode of 90210 this week? Or? Well, not before that. We just watched that. I, okay, but are, we talk about 90210 first. Oh. Oh, yeah. Okay, fine. You gotta stick with the format. I want to talk about The Lion King. You want to do 90210 last? Let's shake it up. Alright. Go ahead. Talk about The Lion King. Okay. So we took the kiddos to see The Lion King. We are not having them back on the show, though, since that was such a disaster. They were, uh, they were fun. Yeah, I guess. Um, they were all over the place, though. Yeah, crazy. And they don't know what to say or how to say things. Right. Not like us, where we, we talk so good. Shut up. <laughs> we make your times funner. <laughs> so, The Lion King, um... I like it. Can you feel the love tonight? Oh, let's let's hand him an award. Right. The Grammys. Uh, I think it'll probably be up for, for best original song at the Oscars uh, next year. That's my guess. I was talking about you. Oh, me? Yeah. Yeah, give me a Grammy. <laughs> um, I don't know. I really like it, but it's so sad. It, it's like it's like. Bambi being redone or something. And, you know, I only watched Bambi once because I didn't want to be that sad again, and I feel the same way about The Lion King. It's Bambi mixed with Hamlet. Yeah. Because uh, his it's the uncle, you know, that's responsible for the death of the king and everything. Yeah, it's the, the, the cub thinks he's crazy and all that stuff. I mean, he doesn't think he's crazy, but he thinks he's responsible for it. And, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's Bambi mixed with Hamlet. But this is what Disney does. I don't know if Disney knows that it's easy to make kids cry and they think <laughs> it's funny or they made me cry or if it's just because it's emotionally manipulative but the the 
the lifespan of parents in a Disney film is so short. Right? Whether it's the mom or the dad, one of your parents is dying for sure if you're in a Disney movie. (laughs) Well, it's bad. I mean, Dumbo's mom didn't die, thankfully, but just tragically locked away in a cage for most of the movie. Yeah. Crying over her, uh, her son that got ripped away from her. Yeah. So, I mean, you know. That's another one I won't watch again. But she did, she does get, she does get reunited with, with him at the end of the film. So I guess happy ending there. So what was your favorite part of The Lion King? Hmm. My favorite part. Well, to be honest with you, I, I think that child Simba is kind of an asshole. <laughs> like he just keeps talking. He sounds so arrogant and um, like a dick. You yeah. Know? And his his maturation and transformation uh, kind of occur off screen. Right. From one shot of them, you know, dancing and bobbing their heads till he gets older <laughs> and older. So we don't really see any redemption to that character. It's weird. Um, but yeah, like he's a jerk to everyone around him. Talks about how he's, you know, he's just going to do whatever he wants when yeah. he's king. He's very arrogant. Yep. So... Yeah, that, I didn't love Simba that much. Um, my favorite part is probably... Oh, man, it's tough. That's a, that's a really tough call. My favorite song is the uh, I Just Can't Wait to Be King. Yeah, even that's though, a cute one. Even though that's kind of the height of his uh, arrogance and stuff. But I, I like the... I like that stuff. Um, I like Hakuna Matata. Yeah, that's a good one. Because, you know, it's, everything is so tense right before that song, and it's kind of like when you finally get to relax and be like, okay, he's okay. Nathan Lane's very funny, too. Nathan Lane does the voice of Timon, the meerkat. Okay. And he's he's very funny. Uh, the, I can't remember the name of the guy that plays Pumbaa, but he's, he's funny, too, in an oafish kind of way. But they give... They give Nathan Lane a lot of good lines, which is is nice. Yeah, because he's a very he's a good singer. He's been on Broadway before and stuff like that. He's a good singer and he's a talented, uh, voice actor, um, and a good comedian. But I don't know my favorite part. I guess my favorite part would probably be when uh, when he first meets Timon and Pumbaa. I think and kind okay. of the that's the he's humbled at that point, and we kind of get. We get the little bit of maturation of his character there. I mean, I know it's a Disney movie, and it's not going to be like, uh, you know, a deep character arc or anything for anybody. But that's probably uh, that's probably my favorite part. What, so, what was your favorite part of the Lion King? Um, I think it was when Nala finds him, and they're reunited, and just like how happy she is, and yeah, reunited, <laughs> and it feels so good. <laughs> Yeah, that that's the look that she has on her face though is a little weird in a kids movie. Yeah, I mean, it's a very come on look. But she's a cartoon, uh, you know, lion. So right, I think it's okay. Robin Tunney, right? That's who does the adult Nala voice. Sure, the, I don't know the one from um, With Honors. I think. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're mm-hmm. right. And of course, Matthew Broderick. Matthew Broderick does the adult. Simba voice. Okay. And James Earl Jones is fantastic as Mufasa. Yes. 
And Jeremy Irons is fantastic as as Scar. Mm-hmm. So you know they, they obviously it's a, it's an all star voice cast. Oh yeah. They Disney Disney Animation was having some really bad times. You know they I like the Rescuers. Yeah. Yeah, I, th- I think the Rescuers is a good movie. I, I like Dick Van or not Dick Van Dyke. I like um, Bob Newhart a lot. Mm-hmm. And I think I think it was Ava Gabor that does that. I don't think it was Jaja. I think it was Ava Gabor that does the the female role in that movie. But you know, I, the like that was maybe a highlight of that era. You know, the the eighties, like the seventies, late seventies and eighties for for Disney animation, not great. Okay. And the you know at the box office, very bad. Uh, the Little Mermaid, you know, came out. Love the Little Mermaid. Kind of rekindled a little bit of it, but Aladdin was the big one. Okay. And this is, you know, their next their next step. The, the really announcing that Disney is back in a huge way uh, for anima- animated movies. So, but yeah, this is a like an epic, you know, uh, very much so. Like a big sweeping kind of story. Yeah. As far as animation goes for a kid's movie. Yeah, I think, I mean, I think it was definitely well done and um, interested to see what else Disney comes up with, I guess. Yeah, we'll see what uh, what they've got in the pike there or the pipe or whatever they sound. <laughs> what uh, you got in your pipe. <laughs> so that's uh, anything else you want to say about The Lion King? I mean, it was great. What about the songs? What about Elton John? Oh, and, yeah, and I love the music and, and we talk about uh, Elton John on our mixtape. So, you know, again, check those out. We will for sure. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so that's, uh, the, the songs, you know, great. And I think it w- between Aladdin and this one, mm-hmm. which is better? Aladdin. Yeah, I still like Aladdin a little bit more, too, I think. Like I said, as great as it is, I'm never going to watch this movie again. Yeah, I see that. And, and no parents die in, in Aladdin, which is good. Yes. Yeah, does Although, anybody die in Aladdin? Well, uh, I guess Jasmine's mom dies off screen. Right, well, and Aladdin's an orphan, isn't he? Yeah, and there are those kids that are clearly starving that he gives bread to. Okay, but nothing about the movie <laughs> made me cry. Oh, uh, yeah. Robin Williams, fantastic, obviously. Oh, yeah. That's, that's hard. It, it, as good as this voice cast is, that's one element that this movie does not have. Is Comedy. Well, yeah, there's not much comedy in the movie. I and mean, there's a little bit with... But the, the here's the thing. Nathan Lane is good, but Nathan Lane is not Robin Williams. Who is? I know, but that's what I'm saying. Like, the comic relief element of this movie is fine, but it, it doesn't rise to the level of Aladdin. I think that's what separates Aladdin from, from The Lion King in a big way. Right. So, now, we will go on to Out of Order... Just you know, just so you guys know, you don't have to rewind the tape. It hasn't come out of its moorings. You don't need a pencil. You don't need to, you know, like get the tape back in. We're just doing it out of order because that's what Carol wanted to do. I and, just and we always do what Carol wants to do. Yes, you do. That's damn right. <laughs> so nine oh two one oh, take us through through our this episode of nine oh two one oh. You enjoyed it. It seemed like yeah, I thought this was a really good one. Um, and you seem to be bored as hell. I was bored. <laughs> okay. Well, for me, it was interesting. I did a crossword puzzle. 
it was interesting to watch uh, Brandon grow in this episode. So he does get a little taller. Oh my god! <laughs> I know you said it felt long, but it wasn't that long. Um, wow! What? I don't know exactly what you meant by that. <laughs> the length of the episode, you weirdo. Oh, gotcha. Okay. I thought you were talking about me or something. So, Brandon has this teacher. Uh-huh. And um, the teacher grades on a curve, which is very unfair. A terrible, terrible curve. The weirdest curve I've ever heard of, but yeah. 10% of the class gets A's, 10% of the class fails, and everyone else gets a C. Yeah, it's weird. Like I said, it, it rewards people that are kind of bad students, that aren't complete failures. That can do, that basically can do, let's say, okay, so let's say... There's what? What's a normal class size? Around thirty, right? Right. So three people are going to fail the test. Three people are going to get an A, and the other twenty, uh, twenty-four get C's. Right. First of all, that seems really weird and arbitrary. But I guess if you're a bad student, all you have to do is do better than the worst three kids in the, in the class, and you're going to get a C. So it rewards them, but it really punishes. The people that would get, like, A minuses or Bs. Right. Which, you know, I, I, I'm not like you. I don't get all A's. But I do pretty well. I get a lot of A minuses, B pluses. And it would hurt my heart to get a C. Well, it's in a history class, too, which is my my favorite subject. So, uh, yeah, I wouldn't really have a problem in this class. But I would have a, I'd still have a problem with this grading. Yeah. I don't think it's fair to people. Well, and Brandon has a problem with it, too. So does Andrea and Steve. They're the other ones that are in the class with yeah, them. Yeah, everyone hates this. So Donna's in the class, too. Oh, yeah. But, every yeah, everyone hates this teacher. Well, who wouldn't? Um, so he dresses really weird. Yeah, he dresses like... He dresses like a 18th century train conductor. Or, <laughs> or a 19th century train conductor, I guess I should say. Yeah, very very weird suits. So, okay, so Steve and Andrea are both, um, you know, getting A's in the class, and Brandon gets a C, and he wants to know, like, how are they managing to get the A's? He's like, he got three or four questions wrong on the whole test, and he gets a C. Yeah, he was very upset about it. And um, Andrea says, hey, let's study together. So, now, here, I want your take on this, because it seems like everybody thought something's happening between him and Andrea because they're studying together. Mm-hmm. Like, they were in his room, and his mom's all like, to the dad, oh, Andrea's here. And and then when they get in, like, a fight and she leaves, then Brenda's like, oh, way to go, Romeo. Like, I don't think there was any kind of romantic undertone there, do you? I think the show is is trying to sell a romantic undertone. I definitely do. I think that... Because, you know, later in the episode, he's like... He says, like, you you act like everything I do is like affects you personally like we're dating or something i i think i think they're trying to to build up that there's a flirtation between the two of them but i mean i don't i've never seen the show other than what we've watched right so i don't know what happens i'm gonna assume that they just remain good friends and that a a relationship never occurs and i don't think they have much chemistry no they don't on screen together I think that's what fights against it. I think if the two actors had more chemistry together, it would be more palpable. And maybe they wanted to go down this road, 
but they realized that those two don't have much chemistry together, so they stopped. Maybe that makes sense because yeah, to me, I mean, it's like I don't see a flirtation. I don't, I don't see anything happening between them. No, they don't. They don't. They just don't match well. Yeah. So um, they get into it while they're studying because he he says that she is condescending <laughs> and businesslike. Which, what's wrong with being businesslike when they're studying? I don't get that. Yeah, and well, he's very like he acts very. Very like defensive, very like like he's very insecure about these grades apparently, and it shows like he's really taking it out on on Andrea. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, apparently, you know, he's used to doing very well in history. So yeah, I mean, whatever. So then, Steve says they can study together. Here's a big difference. There at Steve's house, Steve is lounging in the pool. Mm-hmm. And Brandon is sitting on the side studying. And Steve says to him, oh, he's not going to ask you that. Right. And then another question, um, he, Steve just says, hey, why don't you look this up? And he's like, why would that even be on the test? Yeah, well, that's not that's not anything that we've gone over in class. He's like, oh, it's just the kind of question you'd ask. Yeah. So, obviously... He has a copy of the test. Yeah, I mean, I figured that out. Brandon did not. And um, so, you know, Steve really did just kind of help him study to the test. Right. And so he got an A. Mm-hmm. And Andrea did not. She got a C. So, yeah, not not super fair, considering he had such an advantage. But he didn't know he had an advantage. So, but after the test, once he took the test, he realized, hey, I know all these answers... Because Steve told me all these answers, he confronted him in the hall, and he's like, "Hey, you know, how did you know? Like, you, you, you must have known this or whatever." And Steve's like, "Oh, you know, whatever. You know, I, I can't just be smart." And then he, <laughs> uh, and he kind of walks off. And then later, when we see them together at his house, he's like, "Oh yeah, I stole the test." And he's like, "Well, why did you deny it then?" And he's like, "What am I to admit it right in the hall for everyone to hear?" Right. And he's like, "I'm not going to let this, uh, you know, trash dressing." Piece of crap, uh, tank my grade point average. And he kind of convinces Brandon that he should cheat because this guy's being unfair. Which, I think that the grading system is unfair. Yeah. But, you know, you don't you don't cheat. For sure. Have you ever cheated? Uh, no, I've never cheated on a test in my entire life. Good. I, uh... The closest I've ever came was um, someone wanted answers from me, mm-hmm. and I let them. I let them, you know, cheat off my test. But I'm really, I'm really. I wouldn't say that I'm, you know, like a genius or anything like that. But I'm really good at taking tests. Like I'm good at assimilating information in my head mm-hmm. and remembering it and being able to regurgitate it on a test. Okay. Like this dude's test would be easy for me because like brand like brandon points out in this episode he he kind of he this guy's name is denzel and uh, mr denzel and he he attacks him basically saying that you're not you're not challenging kids to think you're just challenging them to you know remember dates and facts and regurgitate them on a test um and that's exactly the type of test that I'd be really good at taking. Right. Because I have a good memory and, you know, I'd be able to read the book and remember all, all the stuff that's in it. So, 
yeah, I, you know, that's, that's, uh, that's why I've never really had to cheat on a test because I can read something and just kind of remember it and regurgitate it. And that's what most tests are. The only tests that I've ever... And the other thing, too, is as far as history goes, like with essays and things like that, I, I'm i a decent writer, so I can put stuff together in my head like that. Right. Basically, my brain is designed to take tests. Now, as far as like real what real-world applications that has, not not many. But, uh, you know, I, I'm good at taking tests. Have you ever cheated on a test? Not on a test. Okay. I have... Uh, on a person? No. Wait, wait, I, I, is there a confession here? On, on... No. Okay. No, on, on homework. Oh, um, okay. Heather and I have at times split the homework in half. And, like, I'll do, like, say, math problems 10 through 20. And she'll I'll do 20 through 30. Mm-hmm. And then we just copy down each other's answers. So it, you know, gets it done faster. I've done that before, I think. It's hard to remember, but I think, I think I've done that before, like, you know, a couple of years ago or, or so earlier in, uh, in the high school experience. But, um, yeah, I'm pretty sure that I've done that. I think it's always weird. They'll assign you the, like, a lot of times for math homework, they'll assign us the, at least in the math class that I'm in, we're not in the same math class, they'll assign us the odd numbers. Uh, of math problems and the odd numbers are in the back of the book so you can do it and then check your work uh and then the even numbers are the ones that are on the test so that's and the teacher has is got the only book with the even numbered answers in it but a lot of times so a lot of times with homework it's like you could literally just copy from the back of the book but you're supposed to what you're supposed to do is do it and then check your answer, and if you got it wrong, figure out why you got it wrong. Right. To kind of learn the concept, and then that way you should be able to pass the quiz of the even-numbered ones, because it's the same type of problems. I'm going to have to check my book and see if it's like that. So that's what uh, that's what they that's what they do in, in our school, as far as math stuff goes. Um, you know, but yeah, n- never really cheated. So so then Andrea figures out that Brandon cheated. Yeah, because he brings... This is the stupidest thing. Steve has a copy of the test. So instead of just looking at the, at the questions that are on the test and memorizing those facts and then getting them right on the test, what he's decided to do is write all the answers down on a crib sheet... And wait till the teacher's not looking and put it on his uh, put it on his his desk underneath his paper so he can copy off of it. Incredibly risking getting caught, and Andrea sees him. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> yeah, I love the completely confused way that you're looking at me. No, no, no. I'm not confused at all. Um, my mind wandered to uh, something else. Sorry. What did it wander to? I'll tell you later. I'll tell you off uh, off the tape. Okay. Um, so, yeah, so she is pissed as hell because, you know, it's not, I'm sorry, but it's not fair. Like you pointed out, granted, she shouldn't even be in that class, so, I mean, she's throwing off the curve for him, too. Mm-hmm. But, you know, he did throw off the curve for her and caused her to, um, to get the C when she should have gotten the A. But ultimately, it's the teacher's bad policy that's making this happen. Right, but it's causing them to fight and fight and fight. 
So Brandon, you know, works at the Peach Pit, and apparently this teacher is a regular customer. Like, it seems like almost every day he's there. Yeah, it's weird because we've never seen him before, but now that, you know, Brandon's got his class, he's there all the time. Right. Well, I mean, Brandon's pretty new there, too, isn't he? Yeah, I suppose. So... He tries to talk to him uh, at first, and he kind of blows him. The teacher kind of blows Brandon off, like he just ignores him. Yeah, yeah, very like, oh, just give me some more trash, please. You know, like he won't really engage. Mm-hmm. And then once he gets the A on the test, then the teacher's all about, oh, hey, you know how you doing? And looking forward to class, and you know all that kind of right. like trying to be chummy, flirty, ew. <laughs> And, you know, Brandon gets pissed and tells him off because he he is so upset about his policies and he feels like he shouldn't be suddenly paying attention to him now that he got an A. Well, I think he also feels guilty that he's been, you know, quote unquote, forced to cheat when he he doesn't want to. So then towards the end of the episode, um, you know, Brandon decides that he's not going to cheat, even though Steve talks him into taking a copy of the midterm. Right. Um, he, he studies instead and, you know, he's trying to make up with Andrea. They don't, they don't make up yet though. Obviously they do eventually, but, um, so the teacher is in the back of the peach pit waiting for help because his car, um, his his tire is flat. Yeah. He's in the parking lot. Yeah. And so Brandon actually helps him change the tire and they talk and the guy says that, you know, he kind of sees his point about, you know making them think and and then he talks about you know how he knows how nobody likes him and nobody likes the way that he teaches and how um they make fun of his suits and and apparently his wife bought him a bunch of clothes before she died because she wanted to make sure that he had clothes yeah she died of some sort of illness probably aids (sighs) or cancer got it from uh, her brother-in-law what taking care of Oh my gosh, you're weird. It's the same woman. So, anyways, um, it's just it's kind of cute because Brandon doesn't cheat, and in the end, well, first of all, he drops the paper. Oh yeah, that was like a heart attack moment. And the professor picks it up. He's like, "Oh, you dropped this," and he handed it to him. He's like, "Oh, did I?" You know. I I don't think he knew. Do you think he knew? Yeah, I think he knew. I don't know how. I don't know how he knew if he if he just like he felt the weight of it and he's like oh this weight feels familiar <laughs> right? this is the exact amount of pages of the midterm <laughs> but it's it's heavily implied at the end that he knows yeah uh, that's true but um so in the in the classroom he tells all the kids to tear up their tests mm-hmm. and says that you know he, he stand on their desks <laughs> and say oh captain my right. Captain. <laughs> Um, but no, he, he says that, um, they're going to do an essay question instead because he's been using this and he tells Brandon, he's like, I've been using the same test for 15 years. I imagine some kids have gotten their hands on it by now and stuff. So and Brandon says, well, maybe some did, but decided in the end not to use it because when they thought about it (laughs) and he said, I had a feeling, right? So, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's just nice the way they talk. And like, um, Brandon says to him, uh, it's an ugly suit, but you wear it well. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a nice moment. Yeah. You want to talk about Brenda's uh, subplot in this episode? Yeah, I mean, it was a really little subplot, but yes. First of all, or, you know, uh, I should mention that uh, Tori Spelling has more lines in this episode than I think all the other episodes combined. Oh, yeah. She says, like, five things. <laughs> yeah, she talks in class, and she talks in the hall, and she talks about Brenda's hair. Yeah. So, um, so Brenda... 
and Kelly both go up to talk to Dylan. Kelly is the one who's saying how cute he is. Like, Brenda didn't say anything, but apparently she also thinks he's cute. Right. Um, and Kelly asks him if he... Well, it's 45-year-old Luke, <laughs> Luke Perry. I mean, who, who couldn't think he was cute? Right. He's got crow's feet. He does not. He has a wrinkly forehead, though. He really does. But, you know, I don't know if it's, like, wrinkles, like, age, or if it's just, like, he's, like, one of those dogs with, like, extra skin. I was going to say, he looks like a Sharpe. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he just, Luke Perry just has too much skin on his face. Right? (laughs) So, um, Kelly asks him, like, she's like, oh, I I heard you uh, prefer blondes, and he said, yeah, you know, of course, or whatever. So Brenda decides she wants why somebody yeah of course or whatever. <laughs> well, no, I mean he said like it's it's definitely for sure true or I don't know he said it in a weird way. He does, but he's staring at Brenda the whole time. Yeah, it was really bizarre because like Brenda's a brunette, and then he's like, "So you're Brandon's sister, huh?" Yeah. And that yeah that conversation was bad. He like yeah he undresses her with her eyes with his eyes as uh, he's looking at her, and then. They just repeat, yeah, Brenda's sister. And he's like, okay, bye, Brenda's sister. Whatever. Brandon's Bra- sister. Brandon's sister. Whatever he says. It's just, it's the, like, most stilted conversation ever. Yeah, it was weird. Um, so she, though, decides that she wants to get his attention because now him and Kelly are hanging out. Right. And so she wants to dye her hair blonde. Mm-hmm. And Donna and Kelly tell her, oh, just go see this guy. It's only $300. Like, it's nothing. Right, three hundred nineteen eighty nine dollars, three hundred Reagan dollars. <laughs> right, and of course her mom won't give her the money, so Kelly helps her dye her hair. Now, I was not dyeing my hair in nineteen eighty nine. I wasn't aware that any hair dye ever took all night, but apparently back in nineteen eighty nine it did. Because yeah. she slept with hair dye on her head and woke up and it looked terrible. It did look bad. It, it, it was also a bad wig, though, so that's... Yeah, take that into account. <laughs> but, I mean, it's, like, it's all uneven. Like, certain parts are lighter and certain parts are darker. And it's not a good color on her anyway, even if it wasn't uneven. I would like to see her with truly blonde hair just to see what it looks like. I think it would be terrible because of her skin tone. Yeah. But I'd like to see what it looks like. Yeah, I think it would be terrible. I think it would be terrible on me, too, because of my skin tone. I agree. I don't think you'd look as blonde either. I mean, when you're really fair, I I don't think blonde hair looks good. I don't like... I mean, I don't prefer blondes anyway. Gentlemen prefer blondes. Well, yeah, but I'm I'm no gentleman. (laughs) You know that. Right. So, uh, but yeah, so, uh, yeah, I don't think it'd look good on you or her. So, she goes jogging. Mm Mm-hmm. And runs into Dylan. In a tank top. She goes jogging in a tank top. Yeah. Yeah, who does that? People in 1989. <laughs> and um, he says something about her hair. And she's like, well, you know, I thought you liked blondes or whatever. And, and he's like, oh, blondes, brunettes, redheads, girls in tank tops. Right. Yeah, it's weird. He's on a motorcycle, too. First time we see him on a motorcycle. Is it? I thought we we knew. Okay. No, he drives that that uh, Porsche or whatever oh, most yeah. of the time. So he says that he has a friend who does hair who owes him a favor, which I think really just means he's going to use his millions of dollars to pay for her hair and not let her know that. I assumed it was just somebody that he slept with, or uh, or somebody that um, that he got laid. Wow, okay. that was my assumption. But maybe he pays for it. Who knows? 
But, um, yeah, she gets her hair done. It, it gets fixed back to normal, which means she has removed the wig. Right, exactly. And, and, and they try to make it seem like it's different. Like, Brandon says, oh, it looks a little different. And she says, Dylan says it's luminescent or something yeah. like that. Yeah. Yeah, so Dylan is all flirty with her and Kelly, so we'll see what happens there. I mean, I know he's with both of them at different points in the show. Yeah, so. unfortunately not at the same time, but yeah, at different points in the show. He's hey, you don't know. Well, yeah, I guess I don't. Could happen. We'll see. I you, doubt it. Do you know that I, I had um, Barbie dolls that were 90210 Barbie dolls? No, I didn't know you owned 90210 Barbie dolls. I did. Good for you. <laughs> Sorry, just I was just thinking about it. Like, yeah, the dark hair and the blonde hair. Yeah, they were they were good dolls. And did they ever have a threesome? The dolls? Maybe I was getting a little bit older. <laughs> okay. <laughs> anyway, um, so you didn't like it. What did you not like about it? It was just long. It seemed long. There was a lot of stretches where not much happened. And it just, I don't know, it was just boring to me. Yeah, I mean, I guess it didn't take as long to talk about it this time as it usually does, even though the episode was the same length. Yeah, they just there was a lot of not much going on. A lot of Steve Sanders talking about um, going to the Lakers and Pistons game. I don't know, I just, I liked watching the interactions between um, Brandon and the teacher and Andrea and Steve and even, you know, Dylan and Kelly and Brenda. Brenda. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're certainly, they are planting seeds of things to come. You know, are, are they, are we ever going to get back to that Spanish teacher and the principal, by the way? I don't think so. I think you need to let it go. Like, are you really looking forward to seeing that happen or something? No, no, no. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying it's so weird to set something like that up and never pay it off. Yeah, I don't, I don't think it's going to happen. All right. Well, yeah. So that is our episode for the day. We will end each episode, or we will end our episode as we end each episode with our blockbuster pick of the week. This week we're talking about Sister Act Two. Back in the habit. <laughs> Carol, what did you think of? You, we're, we're recommending Sister Act Two, right? Yeah. Is that a recommend? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I liked the first one. The second one's not as good, but it's still good. It's an okay movie. You know, the, the plot of the movie is basically she's in a classroom teaching. The classroom needs to get better scores or something like that. So she's teaching them how to sing. Uh, you know, she's the new music teacher. Um, I was, you know, I we saw this movie last year yeah. when it was in the theater. And yeah, it wasn't as good. Like City Slickers 2, it wasn't as good as the original. You know, Sister Act 1 is a very funny movie. But... It was okay, but it, it got me thinking that what would be really cool is, and, and I don't know if there's an actor or an actress that fits this role, but if there were an actor or an actress that had sort of a, a connection with rock and roll music, say, it would be cool to have a movie where this like wild rock and roll type teacher who's also funny it'd have to be a comedy mm-hmm. goes into like a stuffy school and teaches the kids you know about rock yeah that would be that would be funny so i you know that's what i that's the thing that i thought when watching this movie is the a way to make it better they should have shouldn't have been sister act two it should have been you know teach the kids rock and roll kind of thing <laughs> okay Anyway, that is our episode, so, you know, do all the stuff. Tell your friends about our show. 
send them the tapes, get it all over the world. Guten Tag to our friends in, in Germany. And um, wie geht's? Let us know. Oh, <laughs> that means how goes it? Um, how are you? Learning German. All kinds of new things every day. Yeah, I'll teach German. So Adios. Yeah, see you later. Bye.